What's up? Hey, brother man. What are you up to? Anything good? Living the dream, man. So this is the dream. This. Are you kidding me? How much more fun could we be having? We're uh, protecting the men and women that make this company and this country strong. There you go. That you know? that would when you put it that way. I was thinking. I, I was thinking a world with unlimited guacamole. That's where or I was going. Fried lobster. <laughs> Chicken fried lobster. <laughs> I'm so excited to get to talk to you. So yeah, how's it long. feel to be a cover boy? Like I, I thought I would see. I thought I would see a giant. Um, like poster in your office of it's embarrassing. Is it every time I see it, I get embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> I th- it's pretty cool, man. Yeah, they did a nice job. It, it was uh, it was an interesting process for sure. Really taking the picture and stuff. Well, the pictures for one, because they took you know there was like five pictures and they took like five million. Yeah, exactly. From every every job site angle. You know, well, we're in Colorado for some, we're in Florida for some, we're in Texas for some, and you saw like three. Howdy, cats and kittens. It's Pre-Accident Investigation Podcast. I'm Todd Conklin. I'm glad you're here. So you're listening to the beginning of... The podcast for today, which features Matt Comfer. And if you don't know this, and you may not know it, although you may, Matt was the uh, cover story and won an award from a magazine called ENR, Engineering News Record. And so it's an honor and a privilege to get to talk to him because I remember when I first started working, seeing that magazine in the bathroom of the office. So, you know, right there, it's already made it to famous status levels because that's the bathroom of the office. And, uh, and he went on to become the star, the cover of the magazine, like the cover of the Rolling Stone, only it's not really Rolling Stone. It's Engineering News Record, which is, I would say, the analogous Rolling Stone for engineering. And construction and stuff like that. But anyway, we get to talk to Matt. I first get to talk to you, which, you know, is always kind of the highlight. I love chatting with you. And um, it's a really great time to have this chat because, you know, there's good things to chat about. All sorts of good things to chat about. And the world is uh, an interesting and complex place. But I'm not going to talk about that because, well, between you and I, that gets a little bit tedious and depressing. Mostly what we can talk about is the fact that it is time, my friends, to spend significant amounts of uh, my effort riding my bicycle. And I'm going to invite you to come out and ride with me. Come on, you should come out and ride with me. We can ride around and look at stuff. And, and we'd have a great time. And I'll show you the world, at least, you know, the world that is on the little loop that I ride a lot. And, you know, you can say hi to people. Because I've got all these project people. It kind of cracks me up. So in a preventive way, I try to say hello before they can um, be angry that I'm riding by them on the bicycle trail. So, you know, I always try to greet people nicely first 
to sort of set the tone. And it works beautifully, you guys. If you if you start the encounter with kindness, then generally speaking, what happens is kindness kind of takes over. And you have these great little brief encounters. And I see a lot of the same people uh, almost every day. Like there's the guy who always wears black, kind of the ninja bike rider. It took me about, and I'm not making this up, about a year to get him to say hi back to me. But now, we've been doing that for a while. Now, it's, it's pretty exciting and fun to see him. And, and genuinely, we're energized. We're almost always passing each other in opposite directions. So we give each other kind of the hearty hello and roll. There's, um, there's the lady that wears the orange construction vest. It took me a while to get her to talk, but now she's a, a dear friend, and I kind of worry about her when I don't see her. But I think it's kind of smart that she wears an orange construction vest because you absolutely see her, and, and there's no question about that, and that works well. You know, I wear a vest too, to be honest. Um, I think I should wear a vest because then if I get hit by a car, I will at least have the vest on, which, you know, makes for a different story. There is one lady, and she is a power walker, She's into it too, man. She is. A, I cannot get her to say hello. And I know she sees me and I know she hears me. Uh, so, so there's no real deep reason other than it must be way past her comfort zone to have a friendly encounter with another person. And that sounded judgy. I don't mean it to sound judgy, but uh, th- th- that person I'm trying to crack the code on as well. And there's a million of these stories. It's, it's, it's a great adventure because I'll just tell you, since I'm clearly on this topic with no intention of being on this topic, that I've noticed when I ride my bike around town, and, and that's how I do stuff, that it's really changed the way I interface with my community, which makes total sense. I mean, if you want different outcomes, do different things. We talk about that almost every week. We, I must have said that a million times. But this is a really good example of if you want to encounter your city differently – this is a completely different way to encounter the city. And and kind of, and maybe I'm biased. No, I'm not maybe biased. I'm totally biased. But it's pretty fun. I've, I've enjoyed it immensely. So that part's good. And we're back into it in a big way. So come ride with me. Just come on and ride with me. We'll hook you up. We can make it happen. It'll be tons of fun. You'll have a great time. Other than that, man, it has been um, a crazy time to do work. And it's kind of interesting because we're seeing people again. We're seeing each other again, you and I. Um, and, and the meetings that I've been going to, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty careful about what I select to spend my time on just because, you know, I've sort of reevaluated how fun being in a plane is. And I've pretty much come up with not that much fun. But um, I've reevaluated and I try to selectively pick places that I think will be interesting and fun and I'll have a great time. And I do. No question about it. No complaints here. But it's been very interesting because everything's a little bit, there's a little bit more excitement because people are sort of, I, I guess the word I would use is they're sort of happy to be back. I'm not sure we're back because I'm not sure we'll ever be back. I'm not even sure we want to go back. But we're definitely at a place where we're normalizing to what is now. And I think that's good as well. And it's great to see people. It's really great to hear people talk. And I'm pretty excited by what's going on in the safety community pretty much globally. It's, it's a really interesting time because there's a pretty big shift in the way we've traditionally looked at and understood 
safety. And the shift is moving much towards this uh, different view that we talk about all the time. And that part is mighty cool, which leads me perfectly to this discussion I'm going to have with Matt. Because Matt's been really a part of this journey for a while, and he, I think, had some challenge that he wanted to get better. And he explains why. I mean, it's it's he wants to get better because he didn't want to hurt people. And he w- was in an organization that was big enough and agile enough that he could actually go out and try and experiment and come up with some ideas. And he took these ideas and moved them into a direction that is quite remarkable. And that's really what I wanted to talk to him about. Plus, you know, say congratulations, because congratulations are clearly in order. So why don't you just kind of listen into this conversation? It's just the three of us, Matt, myself, and you. And Matt's going to talk about the journey that his company, Quanta, has been on for a while. I think you'll really appreciate, because he's going to show you, well, he's going to talk about two things. I'll give you a little preview. One is there's no easy answer. Sorry, you guys, but there's no easy. That's pretty much true for everything. There is no easy answer. So just kind of make your peace with that and move on. And two, he's going to talk about how he has learned. And it's not he, how his organization has learned is probably a more accurate way to say that. And how they've applied these ideas in real life on a daily basis in a complex environment. And who doesn't want to hear that? So sit back and relax, because here is Matt, myself, and you're listening, and we're going to talk about what happens when you get on the cover of ENR. Talk to me about what's going on, because I'm so excited to get to talk to you. This is fun to have you on the podcast. Yeah, man. I'm, thanks for having me. It's been uh, a season or two since I've been on. So I know. I was to, trying to I was trying to think when you were last on, and it was a while ago, for sure. It's been been a few years we were younger were, and more innocent back then yeah right <laughs> I, we've been staying the course is what i can tell you todd we've been working hard on integration you know we we had early successes and then we screwed some stuff up at, through integration of the capacity model and sure we quite frankly spent most of 2022 going back and trying to fix some of our our errors that we made and um, just focus on making everything that we do consumable at the front line. Cause that's where it makes a difference. The men and women doing the work, we built this for them and we want to make sure everything that we do is focused on them and it's usable by them. They get it and understand it. It's really taken, you know, the whole thing about the capacity model is systematic change of how we, you know, uh, manage safety, but really how we plan, execute and learn from right. work. Right. It's no longer just a safety program or a flavor a month. This is how we plan, execute, and learn. And to get sustained change, we really had to focus on consumability of the people doing the work. So when you mean consumability, tell us more because it's not just it's not just write it at a at a level that it's understood, but it's it's availability, it's it's the philosophy you guys used, it's the attitude. I mean, there's a bunch to this word consumability that I think yeah. people who are trying to do this change probably ought to be thinking about. Yeah, well, words matter, right? And how we look at high energy and what makes sense at the job site level. When when we show up and we talk a lot about and you've heard us say sticky discussions. But just that is so important. We we ask we ask our management teams, our safety teams, anytime somebody comes to a crew visit, 
what's sticky about this task, right? Like really focus there. What are we doing about it? That's our capacity because we made the paradigm shift. It's not if, it's when that energy is right. released. Right. And is it enough? So just that conversation really drives that change. And it, it has us looking at work differently. Now, before I leave, I'm still talking about, you know, hey, you need wheel chocks or you got cloth gloves on, you need leather gloves. But at the end of the day, that's probably not going to kill you, right? So we're really focusing there and we're um, continuing to do it. And when we, when we talk about capacity model and rolling these things out, we're using field language. That's why sticky makes sense. And by the way, we got so lucky with sticky. I don't know that we would have been as far as we are now if we hadn't coined the term sticky. Because as soon as we said sticky, the, the field got it. Finally, we're talking about what's important, how we're going to protect people. So as soon as we started having discussions that really made sense, and I'm not saying the right gloves don't make sense to right. people, but you're standing underneath an energized 345 kV line, and you're coming up and talking about cloth gloves versus leather gloves as your first thing you say. And now we come up and talk about, all right, what are we doing about that energized line? Now we're having a different conversation. And it changes how we interact. And it's cool. It's funny because, Matt, uh, so there's this real desperate need to define a fatality, define a potential fatality event. And I, and I told somebody, I don't think you can. I think that's, that's a faint attempt to predict the future. People want a, a, a official definition. And it's just impossible. And if we made up one, it would be wrong. Sticky doesn't define a fatality. What sticky defines is energy that has the con the, the most con consequence, I guess. What I like about the sticky discussion is it allows the worker to recognize what they think they should be paying attention to. And yeah. it, it sort of empowers workers in a, in a different way. I think that's, that's a remarkable thing. And it is memorable. It, it is. And it, it, it hones us in on what's important. So, and I don't know if I've told you this before or not, Todd, but I think the safety profession How has, much you love me? Is this going to be how much yeah, you... Of course I love you. Oh, there we go. go. way back. <laughs> go way back. But the safety profession, in my opinion, has messed up the job briefing process. I agree. For the last... And I, I was part of this for the last 25 years. In the last five, I haven't been doing this. But my first 20 years as a safety profession professional... Soon at post incident, the first thing we do is give me the job briefing. Well, you didn't write down uh, there's a trip hazard over there. Here's your three days off, right? Right. And and because we drove that behavior, our frontline leaders try to write down everything they could even imagine about, think about, could go wrong. Right. And now we're three, four, five pages into a job briefing, right? Just for, and they're writing it for me not for the crew members, right. they're writing it for the manager that shows up or their safety professional, and we're not having a good discussion. When we bring sticky up and we use the energy wheel and to identify hazards out there, but we really hone in on those sticky hazards, let's have that most important conversation during the job briefing, and that makes sense to the people. No longer are we looking for seven-page job briefing. When I show up and the job briefing's more than two pages, and I'm a safety geek, right? Like, I'm into this. Like, this is what I do. I'm pretty passionate <laughs> about it. And I get to page two of the job briefing at 6.30 in the morning, 
I'm texting my wife, what's going on at home or the kids <laughs> off to school. What do you think our apprentices are doing? Like, let's hone our conversation around what's important. How hard was it to get them to shift from probability if this happens to certainty when this happens? Because your secret weapon, if you want me to tell you what your secret weapon is, Sticky's clever and great, and it starts the conversation. But it was that shift from probability to certainty that made you guys different. Yeah. And when you step back and look at it, you get it. When, you know, we, I tell a story all the time that, you know, I called our Kim Rodar, VP of HR, and asked if all of our employees are human beings. Right. As soon as you say that, everybody gets, of course, we're going to make a mistake. But I'll tell you, the, the struggle is real with that still to this day. And we've been at it for a while. Because we train in our industry better today than we've ever trained. We invest in our people. We tell our people they're the best, and they are. That also comes with some macho-ness or some, sure. some um, I, I'm not going to make a mistake. I went through training. I'm not going to make a mistake. Well, yeah, you are. You're still a human being. And, and what's what's cool about that, I haven't, you actually bring up a really good point. I've never thought about the fact that workers are probably the best trained they've ever been right now. That's actually yes. really important, and that still doesn't make them perfect. And most workers understand that. To me, what I think is so powerful is the fact that when something fails, because we don't have perfect systems, don't have perfect equipment, don't have perfect tools, don't have perfect environments, don't have perfect people. I mean, once you start listing all the crap that can fail, when seems like the only answer. It's right. not if it's 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 gonna fail, and and that's what like David Woods tells us at Ohio State is that every system runs eroded, every system will eventually fail. That's just how it works, and you're right. just kind of leveraging that to figure out what's going on. What's your what's your takeaway from this journey? I mean, I know you're excited, and it's been really important, and you've changed the industry. It's weird, like you can go anywhere in the world. And here's Sticky now. I mean, pretty much anywhere in the world. It's pretty crazy. It's oh, kind boy. of cool. I think it's fun. It is very cool. Yeah. You know, your, your question is, what's the biggest takeaway? You know, at the end of the day, we just care about people. And I, I don't believe we should have a life-changing, life-altering, life-threatening, life-ending event at work. And we're having success because of the language we use, how we approach it. How we're doing a systematic change. We're not trying to get a change overnight. We realized we couldn't do it overnight. We we built this system over 50 years, and our CEO is really good about saying this. Like, we can't do what we've done for the last 50 years and expect a change, right? right. So we really had this, and and we can't change overnight just because we want it. So we really had to take time and do a systematic approach. So if we want to get sustained change, we have to go through a process. We can't just roll out a PowerPoint deck and say, all right, here's the capacity model. Everything's better now. Yeah. And it's not, not what we're doing. Yeah. Here, here we go. Everyone yeah. sign this thing and we're done. Yeah. Most important part of the safety meeting is the sign in sheet. You know? <laughs> that's right. Sign this thing and we're done. We're done. Indeed. We're done. Indeed. Yeah. And I think that's when I see it now, Todd, the thing that worries me is that people are trying to go too fast. And yeah. I, you know, six, seven years ago, I was, you were warning me not to go so fast. But I was trying to go fast, and I still want to go fast because it's truly saving lives. So how can you not want to go fast, right? But if we're going to make it good, if we're going to make it sustainable, we we got to slow down. 
to really get sustained change. And and realize there is no magic pill. There's no yeah. there's no one thing that you can do. There's no one place that you can go. There's no one method that you can use to actually make the change because sustained change happens one conversation at a time. And that's why the fact that you made this, you worked hard to make this all consumable and attainable. I mean, that, that's, that's that one conversation at a time. And, and that's how sustained change happens. We know that there's tons of data on that. So that's pretty easy to understand. And probably these conversations will never stop happening. And you'll ebb and flow. You'll get better and worse. I mean, the fact that you spent part of last year sort of refocusing is pretty normal. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's going to happen again, and and that's kind of a part of it. And once yeah. you know it's there, it's not nearly as as negative. Why do you think you got so much industry attention, other than good looks? I mean, I'm let's just start <laughs> well, with the that fact that you're. Like the Chippendale dancer of safety professionals. Everyone knows that. <laughs> That's just a bad image. Nobody, <laughs> wants that image. Nobody wants that image. You know, Todd, I'll just be honest. We we started off with a focus on the men and women in the field, and we wanted it to make sense to them. And I think that's why we got the driving change. It It actually started, we had super support from the top, but we had groundswell, the people turning their inches, climbing the poles, in the ditches, fusing the pipe, welding, whatever, you know, our craft skilled labor said, this makes sense. And it spread at that level faster than we ever have seen anything else spread. And I think that people started noticing, wow, our, our field level employees get this. They're using this new verbiage, they understand capacity. They started, and I really think that's what it is. And we've had success. The other thing is, it just makes sense. Yeah. Like we're not using safety speak. We're not talking about OSHA compliance, right? We're talking about, oh, you're a human being. Yeah, you're gonna make a mistake. Well, when that mistake happens, how can we allow that to happen without changing a life? And yeah. people just naturally get that. Yeah, and it resonates. But let's go back to one thing, because I think, I think one thing we owe the people who listen to this discussion is the importance of the senior leadership support you got. But I would actually suggest that that was because you had a series of conversations and there was pushback. I mean, and I always want people to know that when leaders push back, that's a good thing, not a bad thing, because they're listening and they're trying to make sense out of what you're telling them. And, of course, they're going to push back on you because the old ways, what we've told them was the right way. And now we're saying this new, different way to see it is probably going to be more effective. And they, they should push back. I remember really a meeting we did together, I think it was in Las Vegas, where it was a really good meeting. But it was pretty – it wasn't contentious, but there was a, it was a very lively discussion. I mean, okay. people were supportive. Uh, nobody left angry, but uh, it was – they asked hard questions and in turn expected pretty good answers from it. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I remember that day well. That was early day. I think that might have been 2016 maybe. I, I forget. But it was a while ago. Early days of us – I don't even know if we had 
coined the term the capacity model. No, no, no. I don't think any of that stuff was was alive. We yet. knew we were going this new direction, and we were under construction. I'll call, it, but I don't think we had, we had named it yet. But so I'll generally say people are good. They want to do the right thing. We brought the senior management team up over the years, and they care. They're good people, but we brought them up, pushing them for perfection, pushing them to tell the employees that you're not going to make a mistake, right? So when we started this new conversation, we had to ask better questions of them. Well, why? What's happening out there? When nothing's happening, are we having these problems as well? Are we just getting, are we good or are we lucky? Yeah. You know, so when we started, yeah, they pushed back because we were changing, but we started asking them really good questions. Yeah. And it got their mind thinking, oh, well, you know, we told them to use a new tool. Okay, well, did you buy the new tool for them to use? Or are they still just left to, you know, use whatever is available at the job site? We have to start thinking about those questions that we're asking differently. Yeah. And and I think that's such an important, yeah, that's really an important part of your success story is that absolutely you had the right leadership support and you have it now. I mean, now, it's, oh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it, they're becoming experts. I mean, which is yeah. amazing and super cool. But what I loved is it didn't just happen automatically. It just wasn't, you didn't just flip a switch and stuff happened. It was, it was a big part of that development curve that you guys took. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you look at a senior manager probably has been in that role or an executive been in that role or in a, a senior management role for 20 years. We had to reprogram. I'm, I'm a safety geek. Cause I said, I'm into this stuff. It took me a couple of years to get my mind wrapped around it because I was a traditional safety person. I would whack a mole safety or whatever you call it. You'd chase your lagging indicators. Right, right. And, I mean, that's what I did for 20 years. And then they invited you to dinner in New York City. <laughs> and, and and you got to be an engineering news record, ENR. That's so cool. But I it's think what's what's cool about it, well, it's it's definitely cool to be recognized by your peers. And congratulations. That's really a cool right. thing. But what I think is really cool about it is that's how the dialogue starts globally. Is is people are going to look at this and think, hmm, I want some of that. Yeah, you're exactly right. It, it, that gave the and I'll tell you this, this Todd, it's all of our platforms. It's not bonus platform or mass platform or even the capacity model, but it's safety differently. It's 2.0, whatever you want to call it, but right. it's it's the platform, it gave us all a platform that's broader than just the utility industry or the pipe industry or, you know, renewable industry that quantifies ourselves in and really broadened the, the conversation that I'm having. You know, a lot of different industries, a lot of different people call now and ask questions. What do you mean by this? How did you do it? How are you sustaining it? All that kind of stuff. So are, you start, pretty cool. are you starting to see your peers um, succeed in this? Yeah, you're, we're starting to see it for sure. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of great conversations. I'll go back to what I said earlier. I'm worried that we're trying to move too fast. Yeah, I agree. I, um, the magic pill. Yeah. The magic pill. So we've done a lot. And, uh, you know, Dr. Matt's a friend of both of ours. He's done a lot with the SCL model, you know, how we classify incidents. So it's starting to think about classification differently. And, and people are taking that and said, oh, we're classifying incidents. We think we're doing safety differently. But we really have to start at the crew level and talk about how are we going to build capacity at a crew level. They need to understand what capacity is and what controls are at the crew level. 
not just management level. Yeah, and it's I think you're exactly right, and it's got to be a parallel journey. You have to get management thinking differently, so asking different questions, yeah. and then you have to speed the crew up so they understand what the expectation is, and it has to they have to happen at the same time and kind of come together. Because if yeah. the crew's ahead of leadership, that's going to be depressing for the crew, and if leadership is ahead of the crews, then that's depressing for leaders. They have yeah. to sort of move move collectively, and it's a, it's a process of change, so it's going to take some time. So, what advice would you give the world now that now that you're on the a, a cover boy, now that you're on a magazine cover. <laughs> Look, I would challenge current ways of thinking. I would tell you to dive in and do your research and get yourself in a good spot first before you start. I would also say you you got to focus at the crew level. I know I've said it probably 10 times in the last 15 minutes, but right. I, I really want us to, like our training has to be consumable at the field level. The crews have to understand what controls are, how to build capacity, and, and they get it when you sit down and talk to them about it, right? You can't just um, blame them for not doing it. No, let's sit down with them and then talk to them how they're going to build controls. Where do they go to get controls? How do they implement controls? Don't just train management. Get the field level in there. I think that's that's real important. One of the, the you know, go slow, and that's another big lesson. I, I've said that a couple of times. The thing that our big gap in what we spent 2022 on was what I'll call middle management. Right. And it could be middle to pretty senior. But as you said, we had extreme ownership, the C-suite. You know, Duke Austin, our CEO, he's all in about protecting people. He got the new view, wants to go. We got sticky out to the field, so we had this groundswell. And then this middle management team, we held a couple, you know, WebExes or Zoom calls or Teams calls and said, all right, guys, you got it. Now go. And they didn't get yeah. it. Not that they are bad people. We didn't spend enough time with them. Yeah. So, so we went back and we we went thousands of our um, middle management folks sat down to four to six hour meetings, walking through the capacity model. What's different? What's changing? What's not changing? How do I got to show up different? Human performance principles. What's that mean for me? Mm -hmm. You mean management response matters? You know all those <laughs> things like. So, but we just didn't spend the time. They wanted to do the right thing. And they had the field was like, give me more, give me more. The C-suite was like, why aren't you doing this? And yeah. so we just missed it. We we had to take a step back and go fix it. Well, and part of that, I mean, you're exactly right. And that's the, that's the hidden group of people that really are key to success at every level. Operational success, production success, yeah. safety success, human resource. All those successes are tied up there. And yet that's the group of people that it's hardest to get access to. And the time is not their own, so they, right. they're never in control of their time, and they're always super busy. They're always keeping the trains on time and keeping everything That's on the right. rails. So you've got and to, they're making decisions it, yeah. every day that affect yeah. production, safety, yep. quality. And we got to give them the tools. Yep. Uh, amen, brother. And th that's a great lesson. I mean, that's a really good thing to learn. Man, Matt, I'm, I couldn't be prouder to know you. So it's very cool. Well, thank you. And thank, you know, you played a big role in getting my paradigm shift going and thinking about safety a completely different way. Uh, your fingerprints are all over the capacity model. And I appreciate uh, all the support that you gave me. Man, I'm sure. always there for you. It's very cool. It was very, very cool. That's a good podcast, brother. Thank you. 
So what'd you think? I told you. Wasn't that good? That's a really interesting little conversation. And actually, I thought there was kind of a lot of content. And it's always fun to talk to Matt. So if you if you don't know that, you should hang out with him as much as you possibly can. That's the pod. Uh, I'm so glad we had that conversation. It's just, it's it's fun. It was a good time. We had a good time. Until learn something new every single day. Uh, have as much fun as you possibly can. Be kind to each other. Check in on one another. Be well. I really wish that for you. And most importantly, be safe. Be safe.